Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. And so I thought, okay, why don't I go to Mexico for a month? and spend two weeks hanging out on a beach. I'll limit my device time to 15 minutes per day. And then I'm going to spend another week and go into a meditation retreat. It's a dark room meditation retreat. And when you go into a dark room meditation retreat, it's literally you're inside of a room with zero light stimulation, as black as a cave, as black as it gets. There's no eye stimulation whatsoever. And that was in the south of Mexico where I did that. So I went in and I did the dark room meditation retreat. Got a brain scan before. Seven days later, I come out of the dark room. Don't leave the dark room for seven days. I come out and literally I'm meditating like six hours a day here in the dark room. And I come out and my brain reaction voltage increased 125%. The connectivity about the way my brain communicates with itself, it massively increased. Today's most interesting location-independent entrepreneurs and world travelers. And learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. My guest today is Chris Reynolds. He is a location-independent entrepreneur who has been a full-time digital nomad with no base for over 10 years. Chris is the host of the Business Method podcast, where he has interviewed over 500 of the world's top entrepreneurs, high performers, and neuroscientists. He has taken what he learned from the interviews and applied those principles to helping entrepreneurs optimize their brain health and performance. He is the founder of the M3 Entrepreneur Community which is for business owners who have established companies that can be operated anywhere in the world. M3 provides a support system, connection, and a network of genuine relationships that delivers significant business value. Chris, welcome back to the show, brother. Thank you for having me. And man, I forgot how good of a podcast voice you have. My man, you certainly have one of the top podcasts in the business space and among all of the nomads. You've been doing it a lot longer than me, and I have learned a lot from listening to your show and Thanks, man. talking to you over the years, brother. So it really means a lot to me coming from you. 
All right, we got to talk about where we are recording this from today. I am actually in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, on the east coast of the United States. Unfortunately, we're not in person because if we were, we'd be sharing a bottle of wine, I am sure. But where are you today, Chris? I'm in Barcelona. So this is now more or less my base, my favorite city in the world. And I don't plan on leaving, but I plan on doing lots of adventures and conferences around Europe and in the world on a regular basis. So I'm newly established here and absolutely loving it. What do you love about Barcelona? I know you've spent a lot of time there over the years, but for folks that let's say that have never even been to Barcelona, why do you love it so much? I think it's just one of those cities that you have to see and experience and experience kind of tells you everything. I don't know if you guys have felt this or Matt, I'm sure you have as much as you've traveled, but sometimes you land into a place and the place just calls to you. And Barcelona seems to do that to a lot of people, not just myself. And literally within like 24 hours, people are mesmerized and they think they have to move here. And so Barcelona has this unique combination of mountains and ocean, which is awesome. The ocean's beautiful, Mediterranean color blues. The mountains on the backside are beautiful. But what Barcelona is also is that it's an international city. And wherever international cities pop up, new ideas, new commerce, new businesses, new culture, new ways of thinking happens. So think New York City in the 1800s. Think San Francisco early 1800s. Both of these became massive hubs. They're very international cities. You can take Tokyo or Singapore or all these cities around the world. London, another one, Rio de Janeiro. The more international city is, generally the more open-minded it is. And you have a higher level of, I think, just like a buzz in those cities or a high level of energy. The first time I went to San Francisco, I was mesmerized by the vibe in San Francisco. It's just so cool. And Barcelona has that. And it's the type of place where you'll walk down the street and you'll hear five different people speak five different languages. And it's just fascinating to see. And that unique blend with the mountains and the ocean and a vibrant city, a beautiful city just creates this really special place. And man, we've known each other for like four years now. Yeah. We met originally at the DCBKK conference. I literally remember we actually met on a rooftop in Bangkok, Thailand. And it was 2018. And then from there, it just kind of went. And we've seen each other now all over the world. We were just together at the Bonsko Nomad Fest in Bulgaria, which I would love to get your reflections on. You did an incredible presentation there, but you then created a panel discussion among high-level entrepreneurs, fully remote entrepreneurs, and then you organized this really incredible dinner for those high-level entrepreneurs and a few others that were at the conference, and we all just had an incredible evening together thanks to your organization skills, putting that together. So we'd love for you to share any reflections on that and how all that was for you. Yeah, the conference was great. I had a really great time. They had, I think, over 500 people or something there in Bansko. With the amount of people that were there, they had 142 events in the week going on, which is a lot of stuff and a lot of logistics. I wouldn't want to be running that festival because that's a big undertaking, but they did a good job and I think they're getting better every year. And I'd go back. That was a really good time. We decided to sponsor the event too. We even had a booth there and the people there were a great combination of people. And when it comes to going to conferences, 
I think, you know, you've been an entrepreneur quite a while. I've been an entrepreneur. I actually started in 2007, 2008 as an entrepreneur. And you know this, Matt, like as time goes on, you really have to value your time more and more, who you spend your time with, for the quality of people you spend your time with. And so coming into a conference like that, where you've got 500 people, you're speaking, you're sponsoring, and you were speaking as well. A lot of people are going to come up to you and they want your time, which is fantastic. If people are coming up to you, you've done something worthwhile in your life and people want to learn from you. Anytime I go into a conference, I'm, I have a really clear intention on who I want to connect with, who I want to expand my network with. And then also I am always want to meet and connect with the leaders of the conference, the leaders and the speakers. So quite often I'll go in and I'll just say, hey, speakers, if there's not a speaker dinner going on already or another speaker event, I'll say, hey, speakers, let's just go and do a dinner or a lunch or go to the spa or do something cool. And immediately all the speakers are like, yes, because the speakers want to hang out with speakers too. But a lot of times they're engaged in all the other events they can go to and the presentations and the people coming up to them. So it adds a lot of value to them while they're there. And then all of a sudden you become kind of a go-to person at the event. It's such an easy strategy. And I've just been in kind of a natural networker my whole life. And my network strategy is, hey, let's go do fun things together. That's it. And I'll just like make the dinner reservations or the spa reservations or whatever it is, something cool in that area or that town for skiing, arrange a day on the slopes or whatever. And let's just go do fun stuff. And if you get to be the organizer, then people immediately put you in this leadership role. And if you are in that leadership role, you immediately have influence. And so it's just a subconscious psychological thing that happens in people's minds. And it wasn't even intentional. It was just like a natural thing that I have. And so going into Bansko, I knew I wanted to connect with the more established entrepreneur, nomad entrepreneurs that were there. And I knew I wanted to bring more of those people into my circle that I hadn't met yet. So I was like, hey, let's do a seven-figure panel and invite some of the people that are attending the festival up on stage. So that's a big surprise for them. They feel really validated by that, right? So I said, let's then do a lunch or something afterwards. We went to a lunch and then these established entrepreneurs got to exchange business ideas and stories and tell everybody in the group what they did. Then I was like, hey, even better, we've got eight days at this festival. Why don't we do a spa day and then a really fancy dinner at the most expensive resort hotel in Bansko? And then we've, I don't know, you were there, we got like 20 people there or something like that. And it was an incredibly powerful table that we were sitting at. It was a powerhouse table and Maverick Show listeners will actually know a lot of people at that table mm-hmm. because a lot of them have been guests on the Maverick Show. So Mike Wolf was at that table. Amara Abara was at that table. Crystal Pino was at that table. Santiago Sosa was at that table. Victoria Zapata was at that table. You were there, of course. And so the list goes on and you put all these people in one room at one table for a dinner and it was just an incredible environment that you created. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun, man. For me, that's some of my happiest moments when I'm around people I want to be around and we're just talking, exchanging ideas about life, business ideas, personal life, where to travel. 
And the energy when you're in a group like that too is very high. So I think quite a few people came up afterwards and said, out of this whole week, this was my favorite thing. And that's very flattering. I'm not even an organizer of the event. I was like, hey, let's just hang out and have a nice dinner. (laughs) I feel like that's how you roll, man, because I've been watching you pretty closely for the last four years. And one of the things that I've noticed is that you just consistently find ways to deliver value to other people. So for example, during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. right after COVID just came sweeping in, And all of these people thought their businesses were collapsing and that they weren't going to be able to do any business at all. You immediately reached out to a whole bunch of people and said, hey, let me voluntarily at no cost facilitate business masterminds and get business owners together who have similar types of businesses. And so we can strategize together and we can talk through this and we can support each other emotionally, but we can also strategize with each other about what to do with our businesses given this particular situation. And I was one of those people that you reached out to and I participated in that. And it was incredible, man. This is the kind of stuff that I associate you with doing is taking these incredible leadership roles to deliver value to other entrepreneurs. And I think through doing that, you've just built this unbelievable network and you've built such incredible goodwill among entrepreneurs over the years. It's just amazing to see, man. I'm I'm watching and I'm taking notes, man. I'm flattered. Thank you. And we got 72 people to sign up for those masterminds. And it turned out to be such a great, thing to do because we saw the behind the scenes of so many entrepreneurs and how fragile their businesses were when there's a major economic shift. And everybody was in panic mode. First off, within the five weeks that we ran those masterminds, they got out of panic mode and they got the ability to step back. But almost all of them, Matt, within the next couple of months, were making money. And quite a few of them, 2020 was their best year ever because they were just positioned well to be online and doing their services and products anyway. So it worked out really well, even though for the first month, month and a half or so, people were shitting their pants and they had no idea what was going to happen. But that actually morphed into now we run M3 Entrepreneur Community. So the people that decided they wanted to keep doing masterminds and keep learning and keep growing, we created a paid community. And now it's just turned into this really awesome thing because at first we were doing masterminds and then we started to do live events because people were ready after about a year or so to do some live events. Now we've done probably seven live events since spring of 2021. And then people are like, let's do more. Let's have a call in the metaverse instead of doing the regular old Zoom call because we've been doing Zoom calls for the past year and a half and we're tired of them. And so now we have our calls, all the members we buy the Oculus VR goggles for. We have a, those mastermind calls in the metaverse. And then on the podcast, you know, we get some pretty awesome guests. So the members of the community can actually come on the podcast and do open Q&A sessions with the podcast guests. So it's turned into this really cool entrepreneur group that wants to go do fun things, which I like to do. And I like to organize and help each other out with their businesses, which I like to do as well. So it turned out to be a win-win-win for everybody. That's so awesome, man. Well, let's talk a little bit about the podcast and what you've been up to lately. You've recorded over 500 episodes on The Business Method, and you have done them a lot in series, right? You've done series which go for however many, 100 episodes or so, and then you do a different sort of theme or a different series. Can you talk about the latest series that you've been doing and what you're focusing on right now with The Business Method? 
Yeah, I'll tell about all the series because they kind of lead up into the latest series. So the first series, it kind of follows me and who I'm aspiring to be as an entrepreneur. The first series, I did 100 episodes with 100 entrepreneurs that have $100,000 or more in annual revenue in their businesses. And that was pretty awesome. I thought like I would run out of people after 30 episodes, but people would refer me and and I'd find people really easily. So that was really cool. We actually did that in a hundred days. So that was a big, big rush and a big push. The next series was a hundred episodes with seven figure location, independent entrepreneurs. And so I was at the stage, I was like, Hey, how are these guys traveling the world and building seven figure businesses? I want to learn. So we did a hundred episodes of that. And that was literally like two and a half years because we went back to publishing weekly. And then the next series was 100 episodes of major entrepreneurial influencers. So I wanted to study more about the power of influence as an entrepreneur, how people were doing this for good, and how they were helping their communities and other entrepreneurs as well. So we got 100 major entrepreneur influencers, you know, New York Times bestsellers, some really big names on that. And then I was like, well, what's next? I could have went to eight figures, but I had quite a few eight figure entrepreneurs on the seven figure series and then the influencer series. And I was like nine figures. I don't know. And I was like, you know what? I want to build a podcast that we're talking to people that are billion dollar companies. So I started that at the beginning of this year. And actually in the major influencer series, we had a couple people on that had built billion dollar companies. We had one billionaire himself as well. And I was like, you know, if I can get a couple on, I can get a hundred. It may take a lot of work, but I'm going to do it. And believe it or not, they kind of snowball off one another. When all these other people see that have built billion dollar companies, see that all these other people out there have been on the show. They're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go on the show. It'll, it'll be worth my time. And it's fascinating because this is a whole nother level that people are operating at when you can build a billion dollar company. So it's been fun so far. What would you say are some of the lessons that you've taken from this latest round of interviewing people that built the billion-dollar companies? When you say they're operating on another level, what have you taken from those interviews? The first common theme that I've seen, Matt, is all of these people have a very unique ability to put the blinders on and not pay attention to anything else except building that company, except maybe their families, right? And personal life. But we as entrepreneurs, so many of us have entrepreneur ADD, shiny object syndrome, and we're like, oh, NFTs, oh, crypto opportunity. Oh, if I create courses instead of selling on Amazon, oh, selling on Amazon in Brazil is a big thing now. It's just so tempting. We meet somebody and they made a million dollars in six months selling on Amazon in Brazil. And you're like, I could do that. Even though what we do is we take away from the current projects that we're working on. And I would say that's the vast majority of entrepreneurs. The people that have built nine figure companies and even the billion dollar companies, they're naturals focusing only on that thing. And they do it really well. They naturally know how to build teams. So for me, I don't naturally know how to build a team it's a learned skill for me. But there's some people out there that can naturally just find this person, this person, this person. Very little to no fear about money or scarcity mindset or caring how many zeros are in the bank 
at the current moment. It is the project. It is the focus. It is the vision. And also, they truly believe that what they're doing is helping people and helping the world. And you put the combination of that together, then you get people that can build billion-dollar companies. And they think so big, so, so, so big. When I started as an entrepreneur, I just hope one day I can get to seven figures, a million dollars. And even before that, I was like, oh, 100,000, 200,000 would be fantastic. You don't need more than $250,000 a year. And then you get into the game and you realize it's a whole different ball game. Even when you have a bunch of costs that go along and your margins aren't that high, even though you're making a lot of money. So it's quite fun to hear. And those are a few of the lessons. Well, I know you've also interviewed a number of neuroscientists and the combination, I think, of that as well as these incredible peak performers that have done this remarkable stuff. I know you started really getting passionate about brain science and brain optimization. Can you talk a little bit about your interest in that and how that developed? Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like a little curveball going from talking about billionaires to neuroscientists, right? And for the people that have listened to the show, we blend entrepreneurship and high performance. Now, why do we do that? One, because I believe all entrepreneurs are high performers in their own right. And we're all looking to perform at higher levels. We're all looking for ways to manage our energy, ways to manage our health. And the more we do this, the more energy and time we have to build our companies and to make more money and live the lives that we want. So I started geeking out on goal setting the same time I started as an entrepreneur 14 years ago. And then goal setting moved into peak performance. What are the foods and what's the type of health I need to maintain in order to be at my best to build a business? And then that morphed into oh, well, brain health is really important. I started going down this rabbit hole in 2018 and I started understanding the difference between our brain waves and how much more productive we are in flow states versus a stress state. A stress state is like beta state of mind and flow states are like basically alpha state of mind. And when we're in those that flow state, where our brains and our bodies release neurotransmitters, all these cool neurotransmitters and neurochemicals that make us feel good, that make time pass like it's nothing, that makes our brains actually soak up information faster and process information faster. It helps us come up with better ideas. Then I started learning more about the music that helps for maintaining these brain states and the activities like meditation and exercise and, and the food that we eat to maintain these brain states. And it got to the point, Matt, where I was like, I want to buy a brain scanner so I can scan my brain and all my entrepreneur friends' brains so we can then figure out our brain health and understand that. And so what we do now for our community members is we offer all the members free brain scans whenever they want. So they can come back every three months or six months, get a brain scan and see how they need to optimize their brain a little bit better. So then they can be smarter so they can build businesses faster and make more money and continue to pay us. That's the ongoing joke. So that's our cycle of business. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing, man. Well, I actually want to do a deep dive into the brain optimization stuff because I think that is incredibly fascinating. I think it's really important. And I think you are definitely the guy that I want to talk to about it. So can you start off just by talking about where to start? What are some of the main misconceptions that people have about the brain? 
couple of the easiest misconceptions are one, people are like, oh, you only use 10% of your brain. That's not true. We use 100% of our brain. Another misconception is, and this is probably the most important one, the vast majority of our mental programming was programmed into our brains, just like you program a computer before the age of 18. And what that means is that our decision-making process is controlled by somebody that is the age of 18 years or younger, our 18-year-old self or younger. And that has a huge impact based on the decisions that we make today and what we choose to do with our lives and how we feel about ourselves and the businesses that we start, the life that we design and the people we get into relationships and surround ourselves with, the health that we have in our life. And if you realize that, then it helps you become more aware that we really need to work on a regular basis on our mental programming. And a friend told me this one day and he was like, all I want to do is improve 0.000001% every day. And that's not huge, right? That's just a little bit. And we can all do that if we do it on a regular basis. And so it's such a simple thing to do, but we need to do it consistently. We need to continually be reworking our mental programming. That's one of the reasons I did the series from the six-figure series to the seven-figure series to now the billionaire series, because your mental mindset when you're talking to billionaires is going to be much different than when you're talking to people that have six-figure businesses. And you'll see the world differently. You'll see things differently. And so even when it comes to health and nutrition and our relationships in our life and our personal life, these are things that are really important to pay attention to because we have no idea how much power our subconscious mind has over us. And that's good and bad because we can reprogram that and then work on growing more. But also our subconscious is directing quite a bit of our life. And if we don't like the results that we're getting, then we need to work on that to change that. All right, so let's go into this now. Can you talk about what is the prefrontal cortex and why is that so important? The prefrontal cortex is a part of the brain right behind the forehead. And the important part of the prefrontal cortex is because it's like the manager or the CEO of your brain. Now, I think in my presentation, I told you that your brain can make you wealthy and help you accomplish your dreams beyond more than you ever believed, but it can also be like a monkey brain or like a puppy dog and run all over the place and shit it on your carpet and chew on your old sneakers, right? And if we don't learn to manage that well, then we'll make impulsive decisions and bad decision-making, which would be really difficult and give us bad results. So the prefrontal cortex is the area that manages the rest of the brain, or at least filtering the brain. So what we have is the reptilian part of our brain, which is called the amygdala, the primal part. And that is the part that is reactionary or emotional when it comes to fight or flight or freeze, right? So if the brain sees something that is a threat or what it assumes is a threat, the amygdala will give the brain to tell the body an emotional reaction or a type of reaction for survival. So simple example, you see a tiger in the woods, all of a sudden you get scared, you run away. 
And then for the rest of your life, because you're traumatized by that emotional experience, every time you see something that looks like a tiger or tiger patterns, you feel a little tension or feel a jolt of like fear come up. And so what we use the prefrontal cortex for, whether we know it or not, is to filter through that process. So we see something that's a threat. And instead of reacting to it emotionally through fear, we can train that prefrontal cortex to then say, that's not a threat, stay calm, stay focused. Another example is say you're riding a bicycle and you see a dog jump out and barking on the sidewalk. And if you have trauma around a dog or fears around barking dogs, you might swerve your bicycle and hit a car and then flip over it and go to the hospital, right? But if you've trained yourself well, you've trained your prefrontal cortex well, you see that dog barking, you realize the owner has control of that dog, you're going to pass it and you can probably bicycle faster than that dog. You may either just speed up or just stay calm and go on past that dog. And this prefrontal cortex, it's the holy grail of our brains. So if we want a strong anything in our brains, we want a strong prefrontal cortex because it's going to help us plan, think longer term, stay calm, manage those emotions and impulses. Can you talk about how to strengthen the prefrontal cortex and how to stop or reduce the impulsive reptilian amygdala part of our brain? Yeah, it's very individualized based on your fears maybe as a person, but some easy general ways to strengthen the prefrontal cortex. One is meditation or meditative type of activities. You don't have to just sit in a lotus position, close your eyes. You can do that, but you can also do a walking meditation, long walks. Anytime where you're thinking, I guess you can consider thinking deeply is really kind of helping to strengthen the prefrontal cortex, long-term planning. When you start to think through things and not react from things emotionally because of a fear or anxiety that came up, that is strengthening the prefrontal cortex. So you think about people as an entrepreneur, how good are you, Matt, at I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I wanna offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. Long-term planning. How far out do you like to plan your business and life? Not incredibly far out, to be honest. Okay. A really great exercise to strengthen that prefrontal cortex is plan longer and then reverse engineer your goals based on your life plan. So once a week, I regularly visit my life and what I want to accomplish when I'm on my deathbed, 95 years old. And I do that because then it reverse engineers and I have a really good idea on where I want to be 50 years from now, 10 years from now. 
one year from now, three months from now. So the longer out that you can plan, any type of planning really helps your prefrontal cortex, but the longer you can plan, the more unexpected things that come up, they don't trigger you as much because you have this ability to focus and you know where you're going. And all of that really helps the prefrontal cortex. Awesome, man. Well, I also want to ask you about dopamine. What is it? Where does it come from? And what are the perils of too much dopamine? <laughs> okay, dopamine's a hot topic these days. And most people have heard about it. But what it is, is a neurotransmitter in our brain that's released when something stimulates the brain. And we all have dopamine flowing through our brains all the time but we can get dopamine from negative sources versus positive sources. Color gives us dopamine. So a really easy example of how social media is sucking us in. I want everybody on this podcast to try this at least once. Scroll through your Instagram or your social media or TikTok or whatever. Then go to the color filters and turn that into black and white. And when you turn it into black and white, it is incredibly boring. Like it isn't even fun. There's nothing that's fun about that whatsoever. It's because what's happening is those colors are releasing dopamine. And casinos know this, social media, big tech knows this. They know how to manage the colors so it releases the right type of dopamine in your brain that gets you continually scrolling and keeps you on their apps. Very smart strategy, but it can be very unhealthy for a lot of us. And so if you're on your apps or your devices too much throughout the day, you're developing an unhealthy habit. And what happens is this dopamine is pressing on a little part of our brain called the nucleus accumbens. And the nucleus accumbens is a pleasure center. And every time dopamine hits that, you feel good. So social media apps are hitting that and it just feels good. When you go and you win at a casino or hear the noises at a casino, it feels good. When you buy another plane ticket to fly to another country, it feels good. And the thing is, is that's fine. But what we want to avoid is getting dopamine floods, especially from unhealthy sources. A really good example is pornography. So anybody that's ever gone down the pornography rabbit hole, it's very addicting. And what's happening is our brain is getting stimulated, releasing a lot of dopamine, hitting that pleasure center in our brains, and it actually starts to wear it out. So you need more and more and more of it in order to feel good and to feel stimulated. And so that's where these addictions come. And it's actually the same chemical process as when you do cocaine. So if you do a lot of cocaine or do any cocaine, you'll get this flood of dopamine, hits the pleasure center in your brain. You feel super excited. So then you want to do more cocaine or you want to go party or you want to do whatever. Same thing is happening when you're getting a dopamine from pornography or from adrenaline-based activities like jumping out of airplane. So what we want to do is we want to manage our dopamine levels and we want dopamine drips, not dopamine floods. And if we have dopamine drips, we really just have a very healthy pleasure center in our brain and a very healthily stimulated brain. Going out to nature helps with dopamine drips. Not spending too much time on your devices, spending time with real humans you like to be around 
gives you dopamine drips. Doing normal activities you enjoy, but not too much of it. If you get burnt out on something, it's literally getting too much dopamine, experiencing too much stress at the same time. Those pleasure centers are getting wore out. You need more dopamine and stress in order to be stimulated, which causes depression and anxiety. And it's another reason why depression and anxiety are so high in today's world. Chris, do you recommend a digital detox? Can you talk a little bit about what that concept is, what it can do for the brain? Is that the right thing to do for some people? Or how do you recommend regulating the dopamine to the correct level if, let's say, it's too high as it probably is for most people? Yeah, dopamine detoxes are amazing. And so one way is that I think about managing my device level is the meaning the time on my devices. I think about people 120 years ago and how did they live? Well, basically two different types of lifestyles. You had people that lived in urban areas and people that lived in rural areas all around the world. You lived in an urban area, you had a job in that urban area, you walked to it, or maybe you rode your horse and you did things with your hands or you did things to take care of the family. And that was pretty much the vast majority of urban dwellers pre-120 years ago. If you lived in a rural area, you would wake up to the chickens and you go cut hay or mow hay or plant seeds or harvest whatever's out in the field, take care of the animals, pair food, and then come home. When did those people go to sleep? Almost all of them went to sleep around two hours after sundown because there was no lights. They had candles, but they didn't have electricity. And so before they went to sleep, what happened? Well, they sat around the fire, they told stories, they interacted with one another, they carved wood, knitted a blanket or something like that. And they were very in tune with what they call the circadian rhythms of nature or the world. And it was kind of hard not to. Now, when electricity was embedded, what happened is we became stimulated with lights after the sun went down, which was not a natural thing for us. We then got devices and we could literally be stimulated by these devices all the way up until bedtime. Even some people need devices to fall asleep nowadays or make it through the night, which is really unhealthy. And so when I look at my life, I balance it by taking regular digital detoxes because we as humans are naturally inclined to be disconnected from devices because they're not a natural thing. And so it's challenging for a lot of us because our work, our families, especially if you're a nomad traveling the world, you're connected to all your nomad friends and families via device. And so it's an ongoing process, a battle of how often we should stay on our devices and take time off. So I tell everybody that your device is like a pet or a spouse. You need time away from your pet. You need time away from your spouse. You need time away from your partner. If you're connected to your partner or your pet 24 hours a day or all the way up until you sleep from when you wake up to your sleep, it's unhealthy. You get exhausted. You get burned out. You no longer start to like that person or that pet. And we need to do this with our devices as well. We're connected to our devices from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. Checking our messages when we wake up, ooh, those eight hours, I want to see what messages I got or what what notifications came up. And then checking them right before bed to make sure we don't miss anything, which creates unhealthy stimulation, unhealthy levels of dopamine and other neurochemicals in our brain and our bodies. And so what I do is regularly I take 
digital detoxes going out of town. I've done a digital detox camp before. I've done meditation retreats that are very helpful. And I'm just like turning, I've gone on hikes, turning the phone off, phone's not coming with me. I don't care. I'm not going to get pictures. Somebody else will take pictures. And then another thing I do, because I need to put my phone in timeout every single day, is I turn it off half an hour or so before bed. So I'm not ending my day looking at my phone or checking my phone. And most of the time, about 80% of the time, as long as I'm in my regular routine, I keep the phone off until noon. And it is so good. It is so great to have your mornings and not have your phone with you. You get so much done. You're so productive. You feel good. You're not distracted by your phone. And I counted this up once. I did this on myself. Our brains think about checking our phones around 100 to 200 times a day. For me, it was about 10 times per hour. So every six minutes, I was thinking about my phone. When we remove our phone from just six feet away from us, that number massively decreases. If we turn our phone off even more, and then we can focus on our businesses, we can focus on our work on on our computer, we can focus on our families and being really present with them. So it's very healthy. And also another thing that I think everybody, if you're going to be a high performer, especially over long term throughout your life, you need to take regular digital detoxes. Awesome. So I think that's really, really important in understanding how to get the dopamine levels from a flood to a healthy level of drip. I also want to ask you about oxytocin. What is oxytocin? Why is it important to understand? And what are some ways we can release more of it? Oxytocin is a neurochemical and it is what they call the cuddle hormone. And so oxytocin is released whenever bonding happens. When you're cuddling, when a mother is cuddling or rocking a baby or milking a baby, when you're at dinner with friends, so like we did in Banscomat, when we're having nice chats like we're doing on this podcast, our bodies are naturally releasing oxytocin. When you tell somebody, I love you, touch really helps with oxytocin. And in North America in particular, we're really deprived of oxytocin because we're deprived of physical touch. So I heard a study once that the average American is touched six times per day, which isn't a lot, but it kind of makes sense. Could you guess the average person outside of America, how many times a day they touch another human? Significantly more than that, it must be. It's like 101. Wow. Exactly. So that's huge. But to manage our oxytocin levels in our bonding and just like a healthy relationship with the people we engage in and with other humans, because humans make life awesome and fun and enjoyable. If we didn't have other humans, it would be really boring and miserable. So touch is a very important thing. And one of the ways that I incorporate this into my life is I do a couple activities. I was doing these activities before I learned this about oxytocin. And one was I like Latin dancing. So I like salsa and bachata. And if you ever go to a salsa or bachata class, you're touching everybody in there multiple times, round the circle, round the circle, probably a hundred times in 10 minutes. So you're getting a lot of impersonal touch there. And then also I like jujitsu and jujitsu for me is kind of like relating to what children do, puppy dogs do, or animals when they're young, they naturally wrestle and play with each other. It's fun. It's engaging. You're getting oxytocin. You're bonding with the person that you're doing this with. 
And so a type of activity where you touch other people on a regular basis is really good for us. And especially in our families, touch. You can see the cultures with large families that are very intimate, Italian culture, Spanish culture, Latin American culture. They touch each other all the time. They're very intimate. They're kissing each other all the time and creates this such tight bond amongst these families and people. So, and of course, helps regulate our oxytocin. Well, you were a significantly impactful figure at the conference after you gave your talk and you talked about oxytocin and you told everybody at the conference, these 500 nomads, that they need to get a minimum of seven hugs a day in order to help to have a healthy level of oxytocin release. And so right after your talk, for the entire rest of the conference, we would just be walking up to each other, giving hugs, like, I'm only on number four, and Chris said I need to get seven, so you're number four. And so you were the talk of the conference, and everybody had such fun with that. And also, it was really a healthy thing, right? Because maybe there's some people that for whatever reason, feel less comfortable asking for hugs or this or that. So it created this really open and comfortable context for everybody to start walking up to all these other nomads and say, hey, would you like a hug? And so it was just this really cool thing that you created when you talked about that from the stage. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm glad you shared that with me. And so for the listeners, you guys need to drink eight glasses of water a day. You need eight hugs a day and make sure those hugs are like six seconds each. So your life will change if you do that. You'll be happier. You'll be more engaged. You probably have more friends. You probably have more sex. Higher levels of oxytocin give you better orgasm. So if you think about the process of sex, what you're doing, it's cuddling, right? Very intimate, a lot of bonding. And the longer you prolong that, quite often, the more intense the orgasm is. And so it's exactly what's happening. You're building up, you're building up, you're building up more oxytocin and then the release and you have a you know, more intense orgasm. That was the other most popular thing at the conference. Anybody that was at your talk that was like on their phone doing something, when you started talking about that, everybody just looked up and you had 100% of the attention of the audience, which was so amazing I see, to I see. Some conference goers are like, oh, we need to go have more sex. Chris says we need to boost oxytocin level. Chris said, Chris I says. learned it. It was a scientific yeah. thing. <laughs> That's amazing. I also want to ask you about serotonin. Can you talk about what that is, why it's important, and how to increase it? Yeah, it's another neurotransmitter in our bodies. Actually, the vast majority of it exists in our stomach, what we're learning now, but also goes through the rest of our bodies and brains. And you get serotonin when you hear music. It's like a feel-good hormone, So, as well as oxytocin and dopamine. Serotonin is its just the overall feeling of feeling well. And it's very important. So quite often, if people are attention seekers, like say you have an influencer that's out there always needing attention because their dopamine levels are off. They're probably not getting enough hugs a day. So their oxytocin levels are off, but also what's happening, they have a significant lack of serotonin. Most antidepressants are designed to create higher serotonin levels, SSRIs they're called. And so we get serotonin also by listening to music, engaging with friends, doing similar things that will boost oxytocin, eating healthy, eating the right foods for your body, foods that make you feel good. And I'm not talking about pizza, but foods that make you feel well and have good digestion. And so laughing is really good for serotonin, glass of wine. Didn't I tell you about that in the masterminds? I said, you were stressed out. And I was like, Matt, just go have a glass of wine. Like take the evening (laughs) off. When you feel accomplished, like you celebrate the small wins, which is really important. That's a boost of serotonin. That's like, oh, I had a successful day. Oh, I had a successful week. Oh, I had a great date. Or, oh, things are growing great with my relationship. That's serotonin. 
Awesome. I also want to ask you about endorphins. Can you explain what those are and how we can increase those? Yeah. The best way to explain endorphins are if you guys go and exercise about 20 minutes after you start the exercise, you start to feel something that kicks in that feels good. Those are endorphins. They're pretty much also like painkillers. So that's why when you do exercise, you can do more things without feeling the pain. And endorphins are going to kick in too, especially if a mother has a baby, that's helping her have a baby. If a warrior goes to war, the endorphins are helping him survive getting shots or getting stuck with a knife or something like that. Or if you're in a physical altercation, the endorphins help numb the pain when you are fighting somebody. But we get endorphins not only from exercise, very important exercise, but also from laughing, dark chocolate, right, right type of aromatherapy, the feel-good feeling after a comedy show. It's a lot of endorphins that you're, you're feeling there. And so one of the hacks that I used to do when working is that if I felt stress or tension, I might step away from the computer for a bit and just watch a little comedy. Maybe it's Friends or maybe it's a comedian like Dave Chappelle or somebody like that that gets you laughing and gets you feeling good. All right, I'm back. I can go work now. I can go take on whatever tasks I'm working on. Well, putting all of this together that we've been talking about, can you talk about optimizing productivity and peak performance and creating flow states and how we do that? Yeah. And this is also individualized. So I recommend everybody just do a little trial and error for what works for you to get into flow states. And after doing a significant amount of brain scans, we really realize that there's some activities that get people into flow states. That same activity will get another individual into a flow state. It may stress them out. And so some basic ones that are out there are listening to some type of music when you're working that you enjoy that doesn't distract you. So I like binaural beat type of music. Brain FM is a great app to use to get into a flow state. But really, an easy way to get into flow state is experiencing eustress. So there's two different types of stress, eustress and distress. Distress is what most people relate stress to. Things that burn you out, make you tense, fear, anxiety, uncomfort, tension. This is distress. Now, eustress is a really awesome thing. It's a type of stress on our bodies, but it's the things that excite us. It's the things that release dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins into our bodies. It's the things that we do that we could do for hours and it feels like time passes. So when you feel and experience you stress, you naturally get into a flow state. That's when your brain waves drop down. They actually start to flow more flowy than when you're stressed and anxious. Because when you're stressed and anxious, they go crazy. Like an earthquake, if you've ever seen an earthquake on the device that measures those. And then you become more productive. Your brain can process five times faster. Productivity actually increases and creativity 500 to 700% when you're in flow state. So I know there's people out there that try to sell you on pill or supplements that can help you with your brain so you're more productive. The best thing that we can do for our brains and our bodies is to do things we enjoy. And if we're doing things we don't enjoy, experience too much distress for too long, we'll burn out. If you've ever seen a president go through their terms, through the four or eight years of their presidency or any world leader, you'll see them age 16 years and eight years. 
because of the amount of stress they're experiencing. So when we're experiencing eustress, we're in flow states more often. We're actually not aging as much. We're looking more youthful. If you've ever met somebody that's old but looks very youthful, they're happy. You've never met grumpy-ass people that look youthful. Old, grumpy-ass people never look youthful. They're just feeling stress and negativity all the time. So you can go back to meditation. It helps you get into flow states more often. But the easiest hack of all, Matt, is just do things you enjoy. And you'll naturally go into these flow states. You'll be more productive. You'll live a better life. You'll be happier. You'll grow your business faster. You'll you're going to do things like go to conferences with Matt and I because you're making more money and you can afford to. Well, I think that's one of the amazing things about the nomad life is that we have this incredible freedom to travel to places that we like to be or that we want to experience or that are new and exciting and interesting. And we also have the freedom to curate our social communities and spend time around the people that inspire us and make those choices in our life to do the things we want, go to the places we want and be around the people we want. So we have a really great base, I think, for doing that. Chris, I want to ask you, though, for all the listeners that are hearing this and that we're talking about all of these different neurochemical things and all that, where should people start in sort of like a self-assessment, let's say, of where are we personally? Because you said it is very individualized, right? Where are we personally sort of deficient or where might we have an overdose of unhealthy things on the other side? And then how do we sort of experiment for us personally to sort of regulate that and get us into our optimal state for peak performance? So unfortunately, we don't yet have a device that can measure our neurochemical levels, but hopefully somebody or a ring or somebody will create that technology in the next 20 years or whatever. So it's kind of self-regulated. Again, going back to experiencing you stress, if you're doing things you enjoy and you love on a regular basis, now we can't all do that. Like sometimes I just hate my email. Sometimes there's things I have to do in my business that I really don't want to do, but I need to. And so the more that we can do that, the more we'll naturally regulate that dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. Now, individually, we can check in on those on our own. We need a bit of self-regulation. Actually, if there's any coaches out there, aspiring coaches, become a dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins coach, and maybe you can help people regulate that. And for dopamine, it's just, if you're being stimulated by unhealthy sources, then you need to check in because you're creating overstimulation. You're wearing out your pleasure center of your brain and you're just trying to get more stimulation from any source. doesn't matter positive or negative. If you ever look at somebody's Instagram and you see their search on their Instagram, you can tell if they're getting positive or negative dopamine hits from their Instagram based on if it's all naked dudes or naked chicks or whatever. I'm like, you're just using Instagram for porn. This isn't healthy, you know, like switch it up a little bit. One of the things I also do is on iPhones, we have a thing called screen time and you can regulate how much time you spend on the app every day. So all of my social media apps, I just set them so I spend only 15 minutes per time on those apps. And so if I'm traveling somewhere and I'm on a flight and I'm scrolling through Instagram, my app will shut down after 15 minutes. It's a little reminder of like, oh, hey, get off Instagram, get off social media, quit getting the dopamine from there. And then I'll go do something else. So that's for dopamine. Oxytocin, six hugs a day, more touch in your life, more bonding, breaking bread, just enjoying dinners with people you like. If it's people you don't like, if it's negative people, steer away from them. You're not going to get the oxytocin you want. That's oxytocin. 
Then we go to serotonin. Serotonin regulated by celebrating small wins. So eat healthy and food that you feel like serves your body really well. And then celebrate the small wins. And then endorphins, exercise, laugh. Yeah, do more of that in your life. I love that, man. Awesome tips. Well, you did a really, really interesting thing I want to ask you about. You did a one-week dark room meditation experience with brain scans. Can you talk about what that was and then what the results and lessons from that were? Yeah. When I first started scanning my brain, I have a partnership with a neurologist. So we do it like I do a brain scan on somebody and then I send the brain scan over to the neurologist and he reads it because I can't read it. It's like 26 pages of brain stuff and numbers. And and so when I got my first brain scan, my scan came out is a burnout brain. And when you see a burnout image of your brain, it's kind of like the cool turquoise waters of Croatia or the Mediterranean or the Caribbean. And then you see an optimized or healthy brain. There's a lot of volcano oranges and yellows. And so that's the energy, literally the power of your brain. And when you see that, it was kind of scary. So that's one of the reasons also I bought the brain scanner. So it came to a point where when you get a brain scan, it's almost like getting a really great personality test like Myers-Briggs or something like that, that points out parts of yourself you didn't even know. And you're like, yes, that's me. I never thought about that. That's so true though. And you see the patterns. So I've gotten brain scans where the doctor was literally like, I can tell Chris, you don't like numbers and you hate doing taxes based on a brain scan. He also said, I also can tell that you're an emotional guy. You wear your heart on your sleeve. And also right now, after my fourth brain scan or so, he said, Chris, your brain right now is not interested in work. He goes, you need a vacation. You need to take time off, get off those devices. And he started telling me all these studies of athletes, how after they would go to the big game, go to the Super Bowl, the World Cup, the big fight, the recovery times were so much better when they went somewhere without their devices, as opposed to going on vacation and taking their devices. And so I thought, okay, why don't I go to Mexico for a month and spend two weeks hanging out on a beach? I'll limit my device time to 15 minutes per day. And then I'm going to spend another week and go into a meditation retreat. It's a dark room meditation retreat. And when you go into a dark room meditation retreat, it's literally you're inside of a room with zero light stimulation, as black as a cave, as black as it gets. There's no eye stimulation whatsoever. And that was in the south of Mexico where I did that. And I told a couple of friends I was going to do it as well. And we were like, hey, we should take the brain scanner and scan our brains before and afterwards. So I went in and I did the dark room meditation retreat, got a brain scan before. Seven days later, I come out of the dark room. Don't leave the dark room for seven days. I come out and literally I'm meditating like six hours a day here in the dark room. And I come out and my brain reaction voltage increased 125%. The connectivity about the way my brain communicates with itself, it massively increased. And so we were blown away. So we did a YouTube video on this. We did a three-hour podcast on the dark room. We have a landing page where you can see the changes of our brains from before and after the dark room. It was an incredible experience, but seeing the science to back that up, you can go do an experience like that and you're like, oh, my life's changed. I'm more Zen. This was an incredible experience. But then to see an actual brain scan afterwards where it says, 
your brain is significantly different because of seven days that you spend in the dark. And so people are starting to use this to heal brain injuries and use this to get over relationships and seeing the changes in their brains, get over like a massively stressful time in their life and see the changes in their brains. And the tech is phenomenal that we can look inside our brains and see that. That's amazing, man. Well, I also want to talk about the M3 community a little bit. Can you talk about what it is exactly, who it's for, and what inspired you to start it? Yeah. So after we released the COVID masterminds, we asked the people that were in the masterminds if they wanted to be in a paid mastermind and continue for the rest of the year. And pretty much all the people that had seven-figure businesses said yes. And we're like, okay, well, that sounds like our niche. So let's stick it with that and put a price tag on this and continue to do these masterminds. And then after a year or so, people, they wanted to hang out in person and meet one another. So we started doing live events. So that was the inspiration of it. We call it an exclusive club for established founders. And we've created this really cool community where people from all over the world, maybe they were once nomads, but a lot of them are global entrepreneurs and building their business from their laptop from Mexico and Australia and Taiwan and Canada and, and Europe and all these cool places. But they're kind of like on their own. And unless they go to conferences or festivals, they're not around like-minded people a lot. And because what happens, like you and I are still single, we don't have kids. And so it's easy for us to bounce around all over. Even sometimes it's easier if you're in a relationship. But once you have a family, things change. You need those kids need a home. And so people have then set up base so they can have their family, continue to build their business, focus on their business in a country that they love or a city that they love. Maybe the spouse that they met, they moved to this new country together and they both really like being there. And so it's a very unique group of entrepreneurs that are building these really incredible businesses. It ranges all the way from, we have some people in their mid six figures, most people are in seven figures, and even some that have hit eight figures with their businesses. And when we go and we do events now, we're getting ready in October to go to do a week in Morocco. It's almost a $7,000 trip. And so it's uh, entrepreneurs that can afford to do $7,000 for a week to do all the really fun things like ride around in SUVs the, the entire country and stay in the like five-star resorts that are in these different places. And we did an event in Las Vegas where we get to fly and stunt airplanes and drive race cars. And so all the things we kind of wanted to do as kids. And then we grew up and we're like, now we have a few dollars. And so we're going to spend it on these stupid fun stuff that give us adrenaline and more dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and endorphins because we're doing these types of events together. That's awesome, man. Well, didn't you just do an M3 brain optimization retreat? I would love to hear about that and how that went for everybody. Yeah. One of the things we found is after people would get their brain scans, they were always kind of like, what's next? We want to continue to optimize our brain. We want to learn more. And there's few entrepreneurs that don't want to learn more about their brain because the better their brain health is, the better their business is going to be and the better their life is going to be. And so we created an event in Boulder, Colorado, where we had the neurologist, Dr. Brockenshire, that we work with come out to the events. We were there for five days. We had two neurotech professionals from the brain scanning company come out. 
And then also the guy that is partially the reason for inventing the brain scanner, a guy named Dr. Palermo. And Dr. Palermo is also the neuroscientist that created the Neuro Rehabilitation Center at Yale. So he created that rehab center at at Yale, like Ivy League College, right? So he came out for the week as well. And we got to dive as deep as you could possibly dive as far as neuroscience and brain science can go to learn more about our brains and how we can optimize them. We had a company come out and let us test out some new technology, some new neurotechnology that isn't even on the market yet. So we got to test out some of that. We even had one gentleman have the, share his device with us that we had to pretty much sign an NDA that we couldn't tell anybody about because it's still on the cusp of what's happening. And we learned about stuff like this, flow states, and how to optimize our brains and build our businesses. So really fun events, really, really fun. So awesome, man. So how can folks learn more about the M3 community, Chris, and see if it might be something that would be a good fit for them? Yeah, the best thing to do is go to the website. It's m3.club. That's M as in Michael, three as in the number three dot club. And then you can find all the information there. If you're interested in the group, there's an application. If you think you may be a fit and you have a little bit of interest, I encourage you to fill out that application. No harm if it comes through. We might have a quick call with you to get to know you, to make sure it's a good fit for you. You're a good fit for us. And in our events that we do, we do four to five events per year. Non-members can come as well. Members come and then we invite non-members to join. So this one in October, about half the people are coming to Morocco that are not members. So you guys are welcome to come have a fun time with us and see what we're all about. All right, Chris, I think that's a great place to end the main portion of this interview. And at this point, are you ready to move in to the lightning round? Let's do it. I'm excited. Let's do it. The lightning round. All right. I want to ask you to recommend one book that has significantly influenced you over the years you'd most encourage people to check out. Neuroscience book, You Are the Placebo by Joe Dispenza. It's pretty basic. It's not too in-depth to help you understand brain processing and neuroscience and what's happening with your brain, and you'll be blown away. So it's not too terribly hard of a read. Highly recommend it. Awesome. You've been nomading now for 10 years, man. What is one travel hack that you can recommend? Probably the number one travel hack. You have to be a US citizen or a UK citizen. You can actually get a second passport as a citizen of those countries. And it's just nice to travel the world and have a backup passport if you lose one and it gets stolen. You don't have to freak out, go to the embassy or call home. You'll have a backup passport. I don't know why more people don't do this. Go get a second U.S. passport if you're a nomad, if you travel a lot. U.K. citizens, you guys can do this too. I haven't met anybody in the U.K. that's done it yet, but I know a handful of Americans that have got a second passport. Awesome. All right. Last time you were on, I asked you for your top three favorite travel destinations. You said Barcelona, Tuscany, and Chiang Mai, which are all amazing picks, but you've been to so many places. I want to ask you for an additional three places that you would definitely encourage people to check out. So I would say go check out Rio de Janeiro is an incredible place. It's not the safest place in the world, but it's also Brazil's this place of blended cultures as well. And go to Rio when you don't have a lot to do. You're prepared to have a lot of fun and just be flexible and have a good time and don't 
walk down strange alleys and stay in groups. Rio is just a fascinating place. So another place. Okay, here's one that you probably don't hear of. There's a place in the Grand Canyon called Havasu Falls. And if you could imagine turquoise colored waterfalls, 75, 100, 125 feet flowing over the Grand Canyon on a Native American reservation that is 70 miles from the closest gas station. It's so remote. And to get there, you either have to hike down the canyon 10 miles, take a helicopter or ride a mule. And so if you leave Flagstaff, Arizona, you drive an hour and a half to the west, and then you drive 60 miles on a road with no nothing, no gas station, no restaurants, no nothing. Then you end up at the ledge of the Grand Canyon, where it's a 500-foot drop down into the canyon. Then you get your backpack or your mule, and you hike down into Havasu Falls, where there's no cars. There's Native American speaking their native tongue. There's dirt trails. That's it. There's a few buildings down there and these gorgeous waterfalls. Favorite place in the United States. Highly recommend. It's the only place in the U.S. that still gets postal service by horse and highly recommend anybody that has a chance to do that. And then I need a third one, don't I? Ireland. Like, okay, in Ireland, around the coast, they have this road called the Wild Atlantic Way. And you're literally just following the coast of Ireland around the entire island. And it's absolutely breathtaking. You will never, ever regret that. Do it on a motorcycle, do it on a car. My dad and I did a road trip together. We did it in 2019. And in the north of Ireland, you're blown away. There's white sand beaches with Caribbean colored water. And you think you're on an island in Jamaica and you're in Ireland. And there's little cottages bounced around the countryside. So there's my three. That's awesome, man. All right, last question. I want to ask you for three bucket list destinations. We nomads have these giant bucket lists with all kinds of interesting places on it. The last time you were on the show, you had said Greenland and Iceland, which are all great picks, but I know your bucket list is longer than that. So I want to pull out an additional three places you want to go or experiences that you want to have. Yeah, I'd love to do Japan. It's been on my list forever. I've never made it there. I've spent a year of my life in Asia, maybe a little longer, a year and a half, mainly in Thailand, but I've never popped over to Japan. So that's a huge one. Russia is definitely one as well. Not right now, but I would love to see Russia whenever this war is finished. India. I've never been to India. Sounds cool. Definitely a place I've always wanted to go. So that's on the list. Amazing. All right, Chris, at this point, I want you to let folks know how they can find you, follow you on social media, listen to the Business Method podcast, learn more about the M3 community. How do you want people to come into your world? Yeah. If you want to check out M3, we're always happy to have a conversation. Go to m3.club. If you want to check out the podcast, the podcast is called the Business Method Podcast, and you can find that on the website, thebusinessmethod.com. And then all the social media and and things are there. And we're on all the apps. We've been around since 2015. So Google the Business Method Podcast, it'll come up too. Amazing. All right, Chris, this has been amazing, brother. Once again, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Woohoo, dude. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor. And I can't wait to see you sometime in some country sometime soon. Very soon, my friend. Looking forward to it. Good night, everybody. 
Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you buy cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber. To get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals, schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook.